0: Church on the right. morning, Hey, fourth and fifth graders, you can be dismissed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was excited. I'm sorry. Fourth and fifth fifth graders, if you're fourth and fifth grade, Zach, Danny, raise your hands. Hey, there we go. All right, let's try that again. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Right. Good
1: morning, Church.
0: My name is Rashad Cunningham. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, once again, we do that, not for anything, for me. I want to make sure you're awake, excited to hear a word from God, um, not from me, from God. And so we do that to make sure that your energy is right here and that we have your attention. We normally do it twice, but since the first one was a false start, we're going to do it one more time. So, <laughs> loud as you can, on three. Good morning, church on the rock. Three. Three. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So, hey, we're finishing up our series, the Grace Card Series. Uh, It's been an amazing, uh, church-changing series on what grace really is. We use grace as a divine excuse when, in most cases, grace is divine enablement. Uh, So we're going to finish that series today, and then we're going to have some challenges at the end on how we're going to help you live out the life you're supposed to be living as a Christian um, as long as you're in the care of Church on the Rock, we're going to do our best to meet the needs that we need to meet. So, hey, if you're looking for help with any of this, if, if, if at any time you feel you need to go further or you need deeper explanation or you're just confused on some things, uh, here's some people you can follow up with, myself being one. Jason Servizi, which is the one who does the announcements. Lewis Orbanzik, hand up. That's Lewis right there. (laughs) Caught you in the middle of something, all right. Passing notes. Read the note, Lewis. No, I'm just playing. All right. Nick Mendenhall, who's back with our kids right now. Don Mulder, who's actually back with some of our preschool. And then Lucy. Lucy, raise your hand. Her name's supposed to be up there too. All right, so um, those are basically your care leaders for the most part. Um, And really, there's many other names that could be on this list right here. These are just the ones I kind of have permission to send you to. but don't if, you don't, if you don't get it on Sunday, don't just be okay with that and go to the next Sunday. Stick with it. Open it up for yourself. Let God be your teacher. Uh, pray. Tell him to reveal himself to you. And then ask others to come alongside you. We will make time for you. It's our responsibility. Okay? All right. So we're going to read Romans 1, verses 1 through 7. It um, says, Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle, um, set apart for the gospel of God, which which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith, among all the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So before we open up this, the remainder of the scripture, verses six and seven, let me remind you of a few things. One, Paul's the author. Everything he called himself at the beginning, when he said he is the uh, a bond servant of Christ, that's because of the grace of God. When he said that he is a called apostle, that's because of the grace of God. When he said he was set apart for the gospel, that's the grace of God. And he said he was set apart to bring about obedience to the faith, and all of those things are because of the grace of God. But then he's also writing a letter to somebody, and that's who he describes in Romans 1, verses 6 through 7. He says, uh, go, Give me verse 6 now. Give me verse 6. He says, Among whom you are the called of Jesus Christ. So remember, last week, we said that he felt that he was called by God, set apart for the gospel. To bring people to the obedience of faith, and we talked about the obedience of faith and how we're supposed to be brought to the obedience of faith and then teach others to come to the obedience of faith. That's what we talked about. It's the grace of God that does that. So he he said that was for all Gentiles. We said that's how we break barriers, all Gentiles. But now he's specifically calling out who he's writing this letter to. The called of Jesus Christ is the first terminology he uses, and that's where we're going to start. The called of Jesus Christ. This is a set-apart label. It's my first point. It's a set-apart label. So I want you to understand something. He's writing to a specific people, okay? Sometimes as Christians, when we go out and we're evangelizing and we're telling others about God and about the promises of God, the promises of the Bible, we say it in a way where we can, we can make nonbelievers actually believe that those promises are for them. But see, the call of Jesus Christ is implicating a specific person. The word called is not like, hey, Jeremy, how you doing, right? That's like, like I, I called Jeremy. It's not that ty- type of call. In fact, in this text specifically, he's talking about the completed work of your response in obedience to faith to the gospel message. So everybody here know the gospel? Where I say, hey, everybody in this room was born a sinner, In need of the same Savior and that name of the Savior is Jesus Christ and he died for your sins and when you respond in obedience to faith in obedience to what you've heard in the gospel message you are the called of Jesus Christ that's what it is those who have responded to the gospel message now big theological debates Is that something God has predetermined before anybody's lived and he has a set-apart elect people who's been called? Or is that just people who have responded to the gospel message and they chose God? We're not going to get into that today. We'll get into that later. But right this moment, what he's talking about are the ones who have responded In faith to the gospel message that you are a sinner headed for hell in need of a Savior. His name is Jesus. And when you place your trust and your faith in the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the set-apart label called of Jesus Christ. Does everybody understand that? Does everybody got that? So the word there called, kletos, is actually the root word for where we get our word church from or ecclesia. Everybody say ekklesia. ekklesia. You're, you're speaking Greek now. Look at you. Look at you. All right. So the word ek means out. And klesia comes from kaleo or kletos, meaning to call. So ekklesia means call out. The church is the called out. And back in the Greek times or the Roman Greek times, it wasn't just about this religious function that we call church. It was actually like it could be like there's a democratic ecclesia. There's a Republican ecclesia. There's a protesting ecclesia. It was an assembly of people who've been kind of called out to assemble and gather for a reason. So it was more than just a building that we go to on Sunday. It was people gathered together for the same purpose. So in a sense... The ecclesia is not even what we see today right now because there's people here who are not called of Jesus Christ. There's people in the room right now who are not believers. So you're not a part of the ecclesia. And it kills me because on Sunday mornings, for some reason, we think the pastor is supposed to preach a message that's for non-believers, when in actuality, according to the Bible, the message we're supposed to be preaching on Sunday is to equip the believers, the ecclesia, to get outside of the building and go win the non-believers and do the work of the ministry. But this is what we do. We invite our non-believing friend and family members into the ecclesia, and then we're so, the pastor's supposed to like preach a message that they can understand as well, when honestly, I want to be challenging my church family to be equipped so they can go out and not even have to bring their friend to church. They could do it right there in their household. You see how that works? Your friend and your family member is going to believe you before they believe me. They know you. So this is, it's, it's the called of Jesus Christ. The church is who this letter is written to. When we see promises later on as we go through this, those promises are for the church, for the called of Jesus Christ, so we can't make those promises for any and everybody because if not, we would not have a set-apart label, and doesn't a label make a big difference? Right, Amanda? Right? We, uh, I put on Facebook yesterday, I I said, ranch or ketchup? Choose one. There can only be one Highlander people in there, right? Ranch or ketchup? How, How many people are ketchup over ranch? Losers. How many people are ranch? There go my ranch people now. <laughs> so look at this, look at this. So I had a picture of some ketchup bottles with a, with a Hidden Valley Ranch in the middle, and all the comments are coming. It's like 120 comments. It's like ranch, 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 ranch. And then Amanda was like, I was going to say ranch, but then I looked at the label, and it said light ranch. And light ranch is no ranch at all. You know what I mean? Light ranch is no ranch at all. If it's light, it ain't right, right? But in the same way, I looked at some of the labels. They professing Christ, but they like Christ. They're not the full thing. They're not the real deal. They taste a little different, right? It just don't taste like the real thing. It's light Christianity. It's not the called out of Jesus Christ. So the, the label changes everything. If you look at the label, it changes everything because it has an expectation that comes with it. And a lot of us are out here living this profession of a label with no possession of what the label says. You're professing Christ but you don't possess Christ. You're saying you're a Christian. You're saying you're a believer, but what's on the inside doesn't match. I mean, think about it, right? If I was to say, sis, I'm a millionaire, but my bank account shows I'm a barely a thousand there, if that's even a word, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm professing that I'm a millionaire, Shola, but I don't possess a million dollars. So am I a millionaire? No, no matter what I profess, right? Hey, I'm a rich white man. Man, I'm a broke black dude. Like, it does I, I can I could profess to be a rich white man and the skin color don't match, the bank account don't match. You see what I'm saying? So no matter what you profess, it's what you possess that matters. We transgenders, we, we live in a time where transgenderism is real. I, if I was to profess I'm a woman, but my DNA says I'm a man, or if I'm a woman and I profess I'm a man, I don't care what you change on the outside, your DNA says you're a woman. You, so it's what you possess. And we dog the transgenders. The transgenders, we dog them, dog them, dog them. But the Christians are doing the same thing. The Christians are doing the exact same thing. You are claiming to be the called of Jesus Christ, but everything about what's going on on the inside of you is completely opposite. So how can you critique them when you're living the way you live in, when you're doing the things you do? You have a set-apart label. Your life is supposed to match the label. Your, Your claim should match your aim, right? Like, if you claim something, you should be aiming for that. But a lot of us... with that's not how it works. That's not how we're living. I mean, I mean, think about this. What would happen if the label on something you bought didn't match what, what was inside the box? You take it back. You say, this is unacceptable. I didn't get what I paid for, right? Um, how, what would it look if, if you got, like, a, the, the label says 100% cotton and it's polyester, right? Like, like, you're like, this isn't cotton, this is polyester. Like, we we got a whole bunch of 100% cotton Christians out here, but y'all really 100% petty polyester. That's what you are. You sinful silk. You something completely opposite than what the tag says. It doesn't, it's not supposed to be that way. Why don't you match the label that you're claiming? Why don't you match what you've been set apart to be? And, 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 And so, so think about this. Hey, Asher, what? You do signs and everything, right? Say you redid our sign, and it's Church on the Rock, Baptist of Brownsburg. But then you walk in here, and it's actually Mosque on the Tree, Muslims of Avon. Like, you see, you see how that would be like, that wouldn't add up. Like, I came in here thinking it was Church on the Rock, Baptist of Brownsburg, but it's Mosque on the Tree, Muslims of Avon. And, that, and it's like, that doesn't match what the sign says, the sign says one thing, but when I walk in, it's different. But you know what? You know what that sign says? It says church on the rock, church on the living God, church on Christ, church on the statement of faith of the gospel, church of believers who are gathered, who love differently, live differently, look differently, learn differently. And yet when people walk in here, they don't see any difference between us and out there. So that label out there, that, that big thing out there, we're not matching what it says out there. We're not living up to the label out there. Why? Why are we okay with that? Why, are we, why, why don't we stand bold in the fact that we, we're the called of Jesus Christ? How, how, are we, how are we okay with this? How are you okay? How am I okay with this? That we call ourselves a church, and when you walk in, it's the same type of social gathering as at the club or something. I shake your hand when the music plays, and then stay your distance. <laughs> The forgiveness that's supposed to be here, the love that's supposed to be here, it's supposed to be divine. People are supposed to feel the presence of God when they walk in. So, they, like, non-believers should be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable because the love is just so overwhelming. Whoa, they just love too much. Amen. Amen. Man, they're, they're weird in there. Somebody said something about somebody's mama and they just forgave all of it. That, that doesn't make sense to me. Amen. We look different. Hey, amen. Yeah. They just, they just, they, they give to each other. They sacrifice for that. It's just weird. Yes, it should be. We're, it's a set apart label when you're the called of Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you guys, you, you understand what I'm saying there? Like, labels mean everything. If, if you, if I buy a, a pair of Jordans and they're the bootleg versions, Right. Like, like I, I bought something at this price thinking it was what the label said, but when I got it, the material don't add up to what the label said, right? And so, so you're like, this is bootleg. You buy that movie, Shola? And, and it's like, why is this person walking across the screen, right? Like, hey, I, I, hey, here's the new Avengers Endgame. Oh, man, awesome. Bought it, put it in, and there's, a, there's somebody walking across the screen talking about popcorn. You're like, what, what? what is it? It's the bootleg version. Well, you know what? We got a lot of bootleg believers, And when you add a whole bunch of bootleg believers up, you get a counterfeit congregation. A church that is not full of the called out of Christ. It can still be called a church. Why? Because there is a gathering. But what are we gathering for? Hmm? So God's giving you the grace to live out this calling of being the called of Jesus Christ. You have the grace for that. He's, He's... He's given you the grace to act. He's enabled you to be able to carry that out in your marriages, in your lives, in your parenting, in your workplaces, in all those those areas of your life. You can be the called out of Jesus Christ. You can be that set apart label. This is what he called the Romans. And we can apply it to ourselves because it's for anybody who's ever believed in Jesus Christ. But you have to actually live out what your label says. And so we move to the next part of the scripture here, the next part. So we have the set-apart label, but then he goes on, uh, just go, go ahead. We're not going to go through that. We're, yep, right there. He says, to all who are beloved of God in Rome. Look at that. To all who are beloved of God in Rome. So there's more people in Rome than who he's writing to, but he says, I'm writing to the beloved of God in Rome. Well, Rashad, I thought God loves everybody. Right? Oh, well, he does. God absolutely loves everybody. We, we see, like, how many people saw the sun outside today or felt the warmth of the sun or whatever, right? Okay, everybody, believer or non-believer, was blessed by the grace of the sun coming up. The sun doesn't come up long enough, we all freeze to death, right? All right? Um, how many people... Eats And it's probably a result of rain coming down so crops can be grown so that everybody, believer or non-believer, is blessed by God when they eat. Okay? God loves everybody. In fact, the Bible says he gave his only begotten son to the world so that anyone who believes will be saved. He loved the world enough to give his son. Okay? He loves the world. He loves everybody. But that word, beloved... That's a special love. That's a set-apart love. So you had a set-apart label. Now we're talking about a set-apart love. And you know what it is because you probably do it in your life right now. Let me give you an example. There's a lot of beautiful uh, female souls out here, and I, I sincerely, whether I've known you one day or I've known you my whole life, I love you. I mean that. And, and, and if you know me, you know I'm not just saying that to be preachy. I actually love love. All the women in this uh, building right now, I love you all. I don't love you like I love my wife, though. (laughs) You see, my my wife is my beloved. She gets that special attention, that special love. She belongs to me. I love all of y'all, but I love my wife more. And the teenagers, I, I, happy birthday, sis. Happy birthday, all right? Uh, I love all the teenagers in the church and all the kids. I love all of y'all. I love my daughter more. That's my child, right? Y'all know how it goes. Like, I can talk about my child, but you better not say nothing about my child, right? Like, like, y'all know how it goes, right? Why? Because that's your beloved. It's yours. It belongs to you. My child belongs to me. I will show up to all of your stuff. Um, teenagers, kids, everybody, I'll show up to all your events unless my child got an event, right? Then I'm going to my child's event. Same thing in ministry. I love this church. I love all of you. But the moment my family or my marriage starts to fail because of my responsibilities to the ministry, guess which one's going to go? The ministry. It's got to go. I'm stepping down with no shame in my game. My wife comes first. She is my beloved. I've never understood why people get mad, and they're like, you didn't show up to such and such. I was like, oh, I was with my wife. We were going on a date. You you went on a date with your wife over this? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it's my wife. You know what I mean? But people get upset about that. People get upset about that because they expect the pastor or leaders or whatever to put the ministry and everything before their marriage. And it's like, it doesn't, that don't don't even add up. So, So in the same way, in the same way God says, hey, I love all creation, but my children are my beloved. And so people say, I thought we were all God's children. Wrong. The Bible does not teach that. That is a false teaching that many of us accidentally say. We tell everybody in the world, we're all God's children. Show me in the Bible where you see that. Just show me where you see it. In fact, you see the opposite. Uh, Give me me the verse, John. John 1.12. Look at this. The Bible says, but as many as received him, being Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who what? Believe in his name. God's children are those who believe in Jesus Christ. Not the world those who believe we're all God's creation. Yes, we're not all his children. We're not all his beloved. It goes on another verse for you look at this Galatians 3:26. For you are all sons of God and remember sons would include daughters, okay? This is just how it's written. But you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. What makes you a child of God? Faith in Christ Jesus. Not just being born. Faith in Christ Jesus, being born again, makes you a child of God. These are God's words, not mine. A lot. Of, this starts to hurt. This starts to hurt because people come in like, I don't have to do the whole Jesus thing and I'm still a child of God. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, keep going. Next one. Romans 8.14. Look at this. For all... And we would think, like, people run to this verse to say that they're all children of God, but the all has a qualifier. Who's the all in this context? For all who are being led by the Spirit of God. You see that? So it's not the all means all. The all right here are just the all who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. And he says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you, the all who are being led by the Spirit of God, have received a spirit of adoption as what? Sons. By which we cry out, look at this, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. I'm 37 years old. I still call my daddy, daddy. Why? Because we're that close. I know it's strange. I get it. But we're just that close, all right? And like, it, it, but it's a, it's, a, it's a closer, like it's daddy, father. It's not just father. It's like daddy, father. Like it's a relationship thing, right? And so he's looking and says, um, you, you who are led by the Spirit, yeah, yeah, you've received adoption, and that spirit calls you to cry out, Daddy, Father, that's fine. It's a different relationship, and he goes on and he says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Who? Those of us who are led by the Spirit of God. So, So, no, everybody is not God's child. So those special promises of the Bible are for God's children. This is why we go out and we evangelize and we share the gospel. If you're a non-believer and you're here right now this morning, this is why you hear that same gospel message over and over and over. Not because we want to look at you and say, look, I'm a child of God. You not, aha, na nay, boo, boo. No, that's, that's not how it works. We're like, I'm a child of God, and any child of God wants more brothers and sisters. Any child of God wants more brothers and sisters, so I will give my life. My life, sweat, blood, sweat, tears for you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior so you can join in on this family. We want a larger family. Any child of God who wants to keep all of daddy's attention to himself, you spoiled child. Like, <laughs> that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be out here trying to get more siblings to be adopted because remember, you weren't the child. If you believe in the Bible message, you were not born his child. You see that? It's a, you can't look down on anybody who's not his child because you weren't his child. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that worked in your life, that brought you to obedience to faith so that you would call on him as Lord and Savior and be his child. It's, the, it's not you. So, who are you to look down on anybody among us right now who doesn't believe? You're nobody. You're nothing. If God doesn't work in your life, if God doesn't even put this in a position and plan it all out the way he did, you don't even have a Savior to call on. So, so miss me with that. Please miss me with that. So one, but one of the problems is this. like We, we want to call him father. We want to be faithful as a father, but we don't want to be faithful as children. Mm-hmm. You want all the benefits of being the child, but none of the, the responsibility. Of being a child. He's father when you need something. And parents, y'all know how that is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 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 Genesis be talking to me any old kind of way. Then she needs something. Hey, dad. You know, I was thinking, like, what are we doing at the church? Like, you want to go eat, don't you? Like, (laughs) because other than that, it's, it's just, hey, dad, what's up? Like, and that's how we are though, right? Like we're, we're like, we're like, man, I really want God to move in this way. So now I'm gonna see if I can get into ministry and I'm gonna be at church every Sunday. I'm gonna try to do all these things that, you know, because if he doesn't do anything else, he is still a faithful father. So set apart, um, set apart label called as, called of Jesus Christ. Set apart Love, the beloved of God. These are, these are two titles, two labels that we have as believers, those of you who actually believe. And so because of that, because of the set-apart label and because of the set-apart love, you should have a set-apart life or be, have a set-apart living about yourself. And this is the final part of this section, this grace section. Um, he goes on to say in the verse, To all who are beloved of God in Rome, Look at this, called as saints. Now let me remind you, those of you who've been with me, you know, saints in the Greek means set apart. It means put to the side. Uh, I always tell people it was that room when I was younger that had the plastic on the couch and you couldn't go in and get your dirty self on my couch, it was that, or your toothbrush, you don't clean the, the toilet with your toothbrush, right? You, you set it apart strictly for your mouth. It's a holy toothbrush. Anything you set apart, Find China, right? Fine. I know, the toothbrush a little too far. Okay, whatever. All right. <laughs> Find China. When you take dishes that you don't eat off of and you just set them in the cabinet, which I've never understood, but you set it apart, right? That's what holy is, okay? So, so he says, you've been called to be saints. You've been called to be holy. You've been called to be different. The label, the love means that the living must be different. Romans 12, 2 says it like this. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like this world, but be transformed by the renewing or changing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's a very famous verse. But look, at, look, out, look what Paul says in Philippians uh, 2. Look, look at this. He says, do all things, and all means all here, do all things without grumbling. What does grumbling mean? Grumbling, the word, means to to talk quiet and deeply like this behind somebody's back. How much do we grumble? Mm. It means to talk like this about somebody. It's the opposite of a eulogy, right? It's the the exact word opposite of eulogy. Eulogy means to to, uh, proclaim good things about somebody. You do their eulogy at a funeral or whatnot. But this is to talk bad about somebody behind their back. That's what grumbling is. It says, do all things without grumbling or without disputing or arguing or not, not a healthy, hey, Let's sharpen our swords and discuss and reason with each other. But actually, I can't stand you, Asha. And you're like, Rashad, you ain't nobody. Like, it's one of those things, right? Like, it says do all things without talking bad about people or talking bad with people. Why? Next verse. It says so that you, you, the believers, the beloved of God, the called of Jesus, will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, what? Children of God. Why? Because you're different. The, the tough conversations we have to have as a church family, we can't have out there. We can't do it the way they do it out there. When they have tough conversations, somebody gets defensive, somebody ready to buck up. We might get into a fight. People get shot over those conversations. The conversations we have in a church, people get shot over every day. We have to look different than them. We have to be different than them. Why? Because it proves we are children of God, above reproach. Look at this, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. In other words, you don't do this just enclosed on a Sunday morning when we hear. You do this on Facebook, on Instagram, when, when, when you're posting stuff subliminal. Yeah, 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 that's grumbling. That's grumbling. You, you do this at the dinner table. When you in the comfort of your home and you're just talking to your wife, surely it's not grumbling or gossip. I'm just sharing with my wife. Nah, buddy, that's not how it works. Why? Because we're different. I want my daughter to hear my conversation with my wife and not think I'm any different than what I am on a Sunday morning. You, you know, I said this first service, that's probably why the kids love coming to church. Because the parents are different when we walk into church, Right? They, they, they put the label on, hold on, let me put on my church on the Rock Christian label. And we walk into church, and we completely different people in here, and the kids is just like, God is real. <laughs> Do you? She said, I can have a piece of candy? Like, really? Like, but then they walk out the church, and the label come off, and they like, man, when we go back to church, like, the kids want you to be in all the ministry, Like, mama, please get in the women's ministry. Daddy, please get in the men's ministry. Like, just can we keep going back? Because for some reason, when we walk through them doors, you change. Think about that. Think about that. But we're supposed to be in the midst. So not just in here, but out there. In the midst of the crooked and the perverse generation. We got two types of Christians sometimes that are over here putting the label on when they come in and then taking it off when they get out there so they look just like the world. Or... The label's always on them, but they won't go around nobody who's perverse and crooked. They trim like vampires. Like, eh. You're supposed to be in the midst of them. Not like them, but in the midst of them. How can they see your light if you're not in and around them? So it says, among whom you, so among them, you appear as lights in the world. But a lot of you, your your lights, I, I mean, I don't know, something wrong with the voltage, something, I mean... Because you look just like the world. And like, let's just just say this like the way we need to say it. Stop looking around the church. I'm talking about you. See, that's that's what hurt me about this sermon. As As I was studying and trying to think of names, my name came up the most. My name came up the most. I was like, man, how many times I make a little side comment I shouldn't be making? Or how many times I let somebody make a side comment to me. I've always said, if somebody come talking to you bad about me, why are they so comfortable talking to you? Right? So, I put myself in this, y'all. I'm not looking at nobody in the church or taking stabs at nobody, but you need to be looking at yourself, too. Because this is, this is the set-apart living we're supposed to be. He goes on in 2.16, and he says, Holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. So he's saying, you, you beloved of God, you called of Jesus, who's supposed to have this set-apart living he says, you're supposed to be holding fast to the word of God, holding on for dear life to the word of God, letting it, letting it take over every part of your nature and letting it become you. Why? Well, I love how Paul did this because it allows me to be kind of selfish real quick. He says, this is what Paul says to the Philippian church that he knew, he knew that church. He said, so that in the day of Christ, I, Paul talking, I will have reason to glory because I didn't run in vain. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine every single week? Okay, let me give you my past week and this is this is in humility. This is not me boasting about anything I want you to feel this okay? I want you to feel this this past week All right. I prepped for two funerals that I had to do I had a wedding rehearsal and a wedding I Had to put this sermon together and I have a sermon for next Wednesday at a church I mean at a at a school for some for some teenage students and and yet I'm also a father I'm also a husband who has to do that right because that'll disqualify disqualify me the moment I do wrong, and fantasy football. Okay, (laughs) I'm just being real. I'm just just being. I got to be completely honest. Okay. Now look at this. Now look at this. Now look at this. In the midst of all of that, I get up every single Sunday doing the same thing again and again: prepping, praying, crying, and 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 meeting with. Marriages and couples and everything and all of that. And every, every Sunday I get up here to present this message to you, hoping that you will place yourself in submission to it, that you will obey by, by placing yourself under what you've heard and go out and live a set-apart living, only to get to heaven and stand and give an account for the souls the way Hebrew says I will, only for God to say they weren't exactly what they said they were. Can you imagine the brokenness, of the pain of that moment? Like, but Father, I mean, like Paul saying, please hold fast. Live this out. Why? So that when I stand before God to give an account, I didn't do this in vain. And like I said, it has nothing to do with me. I'm just looking at what Paul said, and I'm, I thought about that. And I was like, man, what would that be like to look at all of you, and say, man, all of them, all of them, Father, all of them were, were the label. They were loved. They were living it out. And he goes, I didn't even know half of them. Can you, can you imagine the heartbreak of that? And so this, this, is why, this is why we pour our hearts out for each other. Because I don't want to cross the finish line by myself. I, I, I'm the type. If we run into 5K, I want us all, like, arm in arm, crossing together. I, I'm not trying to get there before you or anything. I, I, want, I just want to make sure everybody gets past it. And, 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 and we assure ourselves of that when we live that set-apart living because it's proof of the Spirit working inside of you. So um, uh, we're, suppo- we're supposed to stand out. Saints, we're supposed to look different. If people use a negative term like, oh, you trying to be holier than thou, but they're using it because you're simply obeying the Bible, then be that. You ever thought about that? We're like, oh, I don't want to come across holier than thou. Why not? Why not? If if it's for if they're if they're saying that because You ain't cheating on your wife. If they're saying that because you read your Bible, because you pray, because, oh, look at Miss Holier Than Thou. Look at Mr. Holier Than Thou. Here he comes. You know the one that's always reading his Bible, always sharing the gospel. Yeah, Mr. Holier Than Thou. I'll be that. Because it means you're calling me that because of what I'm living out. Remember, the word Christian was not a good term. In, In the New Testament, they were calling them that in a negative way. Look at those Christ followers. They act just like that Jesus Christ God. At some point, they were like, yeah. Hold on. You calling me a Christ follower because I, I look and talk and walk just like Jesus? I'll be that, right? If somebody's like, Rashad, you Bible thumper. On Sundays, you preach, and you don't tiptoe, and it's tough sometimes and all. You're a Bible thumper. I'll be like, all right, cool. <laughs> that, I, that's what I'm supposed to do. But we, we, we so worried about being loved by the world. We're so worried about fitting in and not standing out. You're supposed to be a light. You're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to be different. Where's Jax? Is Jax here? Jax is not in here no more? Okay, if you saw Jax, that's what we're supposed to look like. He's a dinosaur today. (laughs) He had the nerve to look at me during worship. He's looking at me like, I'm like, look at you. He's a dinosaur. today. If you see Jax, he stands out. He's different than everybody in this congregation. And that's how we're supposed to be in the world. She look like dinosaurs. <laughs> like B-Jax, right? So um I want to end it with this as we're closing out. I want to end it with this um There's this final scripture, uh 1 Peter 4. It it gets this it gets this really good. First, 1 First Peter 4. Um is it on there? I'm sorry. Did I not put that one on there? Go back to the, four, or whatever the next scripture is after this, if there is one. 1 John 4. Yep. See, I was wrong. <laughs> it was me. It was me. I, I admit it. It's on, it's on tape now or whatever. So look at this. Beloved. All right? I want you to see this. Beloved. Now, understand this. This isn't God talking. This is John talking to the church. So in the same way that my wife comes before any woman in here for me, in the same way that Um, My child comes before any of your children for me. Um, I love this community. Yesterday, one of the funerals I did was for somebody I don't know at all. She was just a part of the community, and nobody was able to be there for her. I was able to step up by the grace of God. But look at this. My church family comes before the community in the same way. Look how John's talking to this, this church family, beloved Special loved people, right? This, this, this is what it looks like. Like, I love the community. I go all out for Brownsburg community. I go even harder for my church family. And, and I go harder for my church family than I do my own actual blood DNA family. Why? Because remember when Jesus was sitting in the, in the home and they said, hey, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And he said, who's my mother? Who's my brothers except for those who do the will of the Father with me, the church that does the will of the Father with me? It goes deeper than blood. I I, I sacrifice more for y'all than I do my blood family who are not believers. Doesn't mean I don't love them and sacrifice for them, but you guys get a priority in my life. You're the beloved. Why don't you prioritize each other, though? Because it's just not for me. That's for each and every member of God's family. It's supposed to prioritize one another. But we put the world before each other all the time. We take sides with the world before each other all the time. And so he says, beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This was a long time ago, and he said many false prophets. How many of you think there are now, right? Keep going. He says... He says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And that's not a confession just with the mouth, but with the life, the living. He says, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Look at this. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now, back then, is already in the world. So if the spirit of the Antichrist, not the Antichrist himself, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world back then, guess what? He's here right now, okay, check this out. So you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That is me looking at you on this spiritual living part, saying that you should have a set-apart life, and you're like, I can't do it. I can't. No, no, no. Greater is he who is in you than your addiction. Greater is he who is in you than whatever you want to put in there that causes you to sin or that tempts you to sin. Greater is he who is in you if he is in you. It'll produce a different type of living. This is how you stick it out in your marriage. This is how you, how, how, how you do right by God, how you obey the word, because it's he doing the will and the work inside of you. So he goes on and he says, We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He goes on and he says, He says, um, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the formal lusts which were yours in your ignorance. So real quick question. Believers, how many of you would die for Christ? Be honest. Come on. How many of you would die, would like give your life up for Christ? Okay? It's okay if you don't. All right. Now here's the thing. I know a lot of people who would do the drastic I would die for Christ thing. But here's the thing. Will you do the basic I will live for Christ? Just live for them. Just live for Christ. And we know how to do it. How do I know? Because we honor our veterans. Look at this. Let me show you something real quick. Put that national anthem on. I'm the first one to stand up, reciting every word with tears in my eyes, knowing that there are men and women who have given their life for my freedom in this country. And the whole country has been up in arms over the national anthem and the flag and all this. Why? Because they're saying these men and these women, we honor them because they died for our freedom. And we fight for that and we argue for that. Okay, cool. But why won't you do just the same or even more for the one who died for your soul? I've never understood that. We honor and respect, take a hat off, show reverence for the men and women who died for our freedom in this country that's not completely free. But we won't won't live for the one who died for our eternal salvation? Where does that make sense? When do you start living like somebody died for you? This is, this is the cry. This is, this is the cry of those labels. The called of Jesus Christ. The beloved of God. You have a set-apart label. You have a unique set-apart love. So you need to live like it. And that's what we're changing today. Today here on Church on the Rock, that's what we're changing right now. We're about to have the worship team come out. And I, and I want you to see this... Um, And I wanna make sure I do this right. Um, The song we're singing, there are words that I would prefer that you simply read. I would prefer that you reflect in your life right now about the way you're approaching your Christian life. Okay? Because the words say you could just sit and you can. You can just sit in your seats every Sunday you can just sit at home safe every Sunday. and You can just do nothing. And, that you, and you're not earning salvation. You're not losing salvation. Okay, cool. But he's called you to so much more. He wants you to do so much more. So why would you just sit? Or why would you just be safe? You know, people that say, hey, me and God are good, I believe in him and I don't have to do church. You know why they say that? Because church is hard. Because it's not safe here when you're with a whole bunch of different personalities and different people and you get into those tough conversations. It's hard to do church. I get it. But he's called you to be together and do the hard things together. Why? So when the world sees you, they see the difference. They see God at work this is what I'm begging of you, whether you're Church on a Rock member or not, because there's non-believers here this morning who are confused on why you respond to everything the exact same way they do. So, on this song, I don't want you to stand. If you wanna come to the altar and lay something down in prayer, Maybe turn your life over to Jesus. I, I, want, I want you to make that step in faith. Come up here and, and kneel and, and just pray. Just talk to God. Just let him know I'm, I'm ready to start living a set-apart life because of the label and the love you've given me. And if, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is something that's convicting you. I thought I was a child by default. I'm not. I didn't know that. Now's the moment. But this is what we're not going to do here at Church on the Rock. We're not going to be the fake faithful. We're not going to be the counterfeit Christians, the bootleg believers. I, I won't stand for that. Jason won't stand for that. As your pastors, our responsibility is to shepherd you. This is what shepherding looks like. Calling you to what God has called you to, higher and deeper. So take this song. Whether you look at the words or just listen to the words, it's going to, it's going to speak to you right now. And as Tyler sings those words, you reflect. And then we're going to talk at the end about how we're going to come alongside you as a church to make these changes.
2: I could be Savior. I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. And I could be safe. Oh. I could be Just sit I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence.
0: As we get ready to close out, I need you to um we got a couple of rock responses we want you to to see. First thing we want you to take home is: make your life on the inside match your label on the outside. This is an integrity thing. We we don't know what you do when you leave here, you know. We don't know what you're living out in your workplaces and your marriages. We we don't know. And this is more about you and and what you want to be for God, the one who loves you, the one you say you love. Uh, rock response number two. We um. We want you to say, I will live as the called of Jesus, beloved by God and set apart from the world. We're just asking you to take those two verses and just, and actually live it like you mean it. And so here's the thing, everybody. We, um, as a, as a leader and as a pastor of this church, myself along with Jason, we, we've talked a lot over the last couple months about where we're failing you as pastors, um, and we really prayed about that, and we came to some, some conclusions of what we need to do to be better for you as a church family. Um, so we're going to kick off this thing called FaceTime, all right? It stands for Fellowship, Accountability, Care, and Encouragement. We have 80-plus households in this church. That's a beautiful thing. 80-plus households are a part of this church, and more like, are coming every week and staying And we have 13 leaders that we've dispersed those households over. They're going to be checking in on you monthly to make sure you're engaged in in the church, to make sure that you have fellowship. That doesn't mean they're going to necessarily be it, but they're going to push you to join a a women's ministry, a man's ministry, come to the Bible, study, do something to create this oneness we're supposed to have as a church family. And then they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to call you and, and they're going to actually say, hey, I haven't seen you in three weeks. Not... Not like some, where have you been? But more like, where have you been? I miss you. I haven't seen you. I'm worried. Are you okay? You know, uh, why aren't you serving? You're missing out on the goodness of God. There's so much that comes with serving. They're going to hold you accountable because that's what we're supposed to do. And then they're going to care for you. I can't tell you how many people have been a part of this church and had somebody pass away and had nobody show up except for the guy preaching it. And most of the time, it's not because we don't care. It's because we don't even know because we're so large. So now we're going we're gonna to attack that and make sure every individual who wants to be a part of this church family will be cared for. Because it will be a smaller group for each name, each one of the leaders. And then finally, we're going to encourage you. You know, sometimes you need to know that when you walk through that door three, days in, three, three Sundays in a row, it matters to us. Sometimes you need to know that when you step up to serve in a place that you're not comfortable, it matters to us. Sometimes you just need to know that we are so proud of your growth. I know this has been a tough series that seems like I'm just coming down on you. But to be honest with you, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of my church family. I'm so proud of my church family. But he's called us to be higher and to be deeper than where we are right now. What we're doing is great, but it's not enough. He's worth so much more. He's worth so much more sacrifice, and we have it in us. So I just want you to know, if if you're looking to help me, this is how you start, with yourself. Open up. Remove the the fear. You're going to get hurt no matter what. It's how we respond. You want to help me live like you're set apart? It breaks my heart when I see the way you're living with each other and the way you're, you're posting about things and the way I hear about your workplaces. and That breaks my heart because you're, you have so much more capability in you to be lights among the darkness. This is how we change the church. It's not not something the pastors institute. It's you because you are the church. Any area that you're serving in or that you need to serve in or want to serve in, serve like like you will never get an opportunity to do it again. When I preach, I'm trying to preach like I might not wake up tomorrow. I try to preach in a way that says you may not hear from me tomorrow because I might not wake up. So may the last words I share with you be everything I had in me. When you serve in hospitality, hand that bulletin out like you may never see that person again. I did two funerals this past weekend. Life is short. This is what the church was supposed to be, called out, called out people living differently than the world, higher, deeper. This is what we're begging of you as your brothers and sisters, not just your pastors, but as your family. Let's bow our heads. Father, Father, we thank you for your grace, the ability to wake up and do it again, every breath we take an opportunity to glorify you, every choice we make an opportunity to serve you. I did it first service, Father, I'm coming to you again. I want to confess I want to confess on my behalf and on behalf of anybody else in this congregation this morning, Father, I want to confess for them, Father. We agree with you in regards to all of our sinful behavior. But, Father, we want to repent. We want you to increase our faith to repent, Father. And we want to follow in obedience, knowing that you are faithful to forgive us. Father, you've touched our hearts with these verses And we're still in the beginning. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with us as we continue on. You've called us higher. You've called us deeper. And, Father, for that, we want to respond with yes and amen. Yes, we will go higher. Amen, we will go deeper according to the grace that you give us to do it. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.